the Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Good afternoon, everybody. What's going on? Eric Franson, Ajay Salveson. Thanks for tuning in and joining us here on the Full Court Press on a Tuesday. A lot to get through as uh, Aggies prepare for Colorado State tonight in Logan. Break down the, the Rams and the Aggies. A very different opponent. It, well, some similarities to Colorado, to uh, excuse me, San Diego State, but um, more kind of mirrors of themselves. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more here on the show. We'll hear from Craig Smith. Uh, a little bit later on as well. Utah Jazz, they are in action tonight as well, hosting the New Orleans Pelicans. First time for Derek Favors to face his former team, but um, when given the opportunity, he had praise for his former teammates and did not take the opportunity to uh, relish in the opportunity to go after them. It just He's a good dude, it's just who Derek Favors is. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, NCAA making some announcements today about the upcoming tournament, March Madness. Uh, it's a little bit different time schedule of what they've had in the past. So uh, not dramatic differences, but some slight variations to what we've seen historically. So uh, some of those things that we're going to touch on today, as well as our stat that blew our mind and our player of the week. So a lot of things to get through here today, Ajay. And uh, um, we'll... I, I want to talk about the Aggies uh, this hour, and then we'll do it again next hour because I know our audience changes over. But uh, for you, this matchup tonight for Utah State and Colorado State, this is a team that their strength is in their guard play, whereas San Diego State, their strength was mostly with their big guys. Um, but the, what really stands out to me about Colorado State is this uh, uh, Roddy, um, <clears throat> David Roddy, Six foot five, and he um, he's kind of a combo guard forward, but leads the team in scoring and leads the team in rebounding. Very active player, getting to the right spots. Uh, this is a team that I think shoots the three pointer better than San Diego State does, so that's definitely a, a threat. Their their best three guys are six foot five or shorter. Uh, they don't have much strength in the low post. So Utah State's guard play defensively will just have to keep going and build on what they were able to do last week against the Aztecs. Yeah, I think our guard play is probably the best. Well, one of the best defenses in in the Mountain West Conference, and that's I say that with confidence. Like, well, Marco Anthony, Brock Miller, and Ashworth, and I'll put Raleigh in there too. Um, they just shut down perimeter so well I mean they 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 take away any kind of spacing you have they get around screens really well they can switch a screen very very quickly which is huge because then I mean when you when you get a screen the goal is to create space either you're going to take a three or just to get rid of that guy and get a switch on something else but the crazy thing about this Utah State Aggie defense is that on a screen even when you switch it's still a bad matchup for you like there's no such good there's no such thing as a good matchup when you're facing this Aggie defense, especially on the perimeter, uh, this is going to be a major challenge for the Rams. I have a lot of confidence that this Aggie confidence that this Aggie defense is going to be able to handle, I mean, whatever Colorado State throws 
throws at him. So the, the, the concern for me is just a transition defense because they'll run it when they can and take whatever the first open look they get. Colorado State, in this is in conference games. They are the number one team in the Mountain West in three-point field goal percentage and three-point field goals made. Um, so th- this this is a squad that likes to put up the three, and they're they got some shooters. Uh, you know, Kendall Moore can put up shots. Isaiah Stevens, we already mentioned Roddy. Uh, they've got several guys that that are not bashful about putting up yeah. three point shots. But of course, neither are the Aggies. It certainly is as uh, you look at the progression and um, improved play and consistent play from Brock Miller. That's really helped Utah State. Uh, Stephen Ashworth can pop a three in your eye at any moment. Uh, Alfonso Anderson can do that off the bench. So the three-point shooting by Utah State is good too. Yeah, but, but yeah. this is uh, this is a team that um, their their strength is not in the low post, and so that guard play is going to be really really important for USU. And again, I just I have so much confidence in our guards. I mean, I, I I really do. I have so much confidence in our, like especially on the defensive side of the ball. And when we've talked about it numerous times, you know, ad nauseum and in spade. But you know, Brock Miller on the defensive side of the ball is just he's so lengthy, and it gives you so many problems because you're trying to get around him and you can't. Marco Anthony's the same deal. Ashworth Ashworth is just annoying. Like he's really annoying to have to you know have to deal with when you're on the offensive side of the ball. It's uh, it's. N- yeah, it, it can frustrate you really quickly. And if you're not patient with your offense, and if you're in a rush, you're going to take a lot of bad shots, and that's going to put this Aggie offense in transition, fast-break basketball, and, I mean, you're going to be behind the eight ball extremely quickly. Four three five three three nine zero three two one. if you want to weigh in about tonight's matchup between Utah State and Colorado State. Uh, some of the keys that you, th- you see and what your score prediction is going to be. I'd love to get your thoughts on that. This is a team that can score more points. Uh, they've they've had some good defense, but their schedule has been kind of similar to Utah State's in that they haven't played really tough competition outside of San Diego State, and they split that series. But they they uh, beat UNLV, though those were down to the wire. Uh, they beat up on San Jose, which Utah State was able to do. Um, and they were able to beat up on Fresno State, who Utah State has not yet faced. But so perhaps the, the biggest things to look at and take away here is look, they struggled against the running rebels and they split their series with San Diego State. That's what I'd be focused more on if I'm uh, this, you know, Craig Smith's coaching staff. You know, what was it that UNLV was able to do to, to make it such a close game? And what, what, was the, uh, what were the Aztecs able to do? Um, in their second matchup, to beat them by double digits. Yeah, I <laughs> UNLV is a wild card. Like I can't figure them out, man. Like one day they're hot, one day they're cold. Um, I know they lost. Did they lose to New Mexico last night? By the way, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, no, I, UNLV beat them. Oh, they UNLV did beat New Mexico then. Uh, I know they I'm were trailing by that. like. They were down by like eight in the first half. I mean, New Mexico jumped on top of them pretty quickly. And I, I mean, I just had yeah, it was no. UNLV 53 to 46. I, and it's probably bad to say because they play UNLV next week, but I had no interest in that game at all. I just, I didn't want to bore myself watching that basketball. But uh, I just got a text from uh, from a friend of ours, uh, Tony. He, he asked, Eric, 
who is the guy who needs to have a big game tonight? And I, maybe we try to transcend that question to all outside of starters, who needs to have a big game tonight? And for me, because we talked about the guard play, for me it's going to be, I think Ashworth. Just I mean, pick up where he left off, like what you said. Or do we ha- we can't pick a starter? No, because starters are too easy, isn't it? No, no. Because one starter may have a, a larger role against a, a certain opponent than than what might be in a different opponent. A different starter might play a different role then. But and and maybe this doesn't make any sense. But I feel like if a if a starter has a bad game, another's like uh, any of the other four starters can pick him back up. Like I mean, they just they're so talented on both ends of the court. Um, but like off the bench, if if a bench guy comes in or if the bench comes in. And one bench guy, say it's Ashworth or Anderson, doesn't have a great game, kind of puts them in trouble. Like they they need the starters to all play really well. But if and if I mean not starters, sorry, bench. And if it was a bench guy for me, I'd, I'd pick Ashworth. I don't know. I mean, starters wise, I don't know who do you got for a starter. Um, I would probably say whomever draws the defensive assignment for David Roddy. Okay, and that's either going to be I was gonna say who that be. That's either going to be Brock Miller. Or uh, Justin Bean. Who would you rather have if you were Coach Smith? I'm, I'm, I'm going to throw you right into that spotlight. To defend Roddy? Yeah. Bean? I was about to say Brock. Bean. Because the, the other option is the other option is Adam Thistlewood. Man, he's a problem too, isn't he? We like Adam Thistlewood. We like to say <laughs> his name because he's 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 six foot six. Roddy's six foot five. There, those are your forwards. Didn't this would have because like Kendall Moore? He's five ten. Isaiah yeah. Stevens, he's six foot. So I, I like the defensive assignments USU has there because they're going to overpower them with size. So Marco, so Marco and Raleigh will take those last two guys you just told me. Yeah, I would. That's right? what I would suspect. And then the thing is, is that Brocker is quicker on his feet than Bean is. You're probably right, actually. Athleticism-wise, I think it's about even, but just being quick on your feet, especially with these guys. Well, I'd probably I would prefer, dare say Brock. And I think Brock would probably I think Roddy is going to be more prone to do stuff on the outside than Thistlewood would, would. So, um my guess is that that Bean will be uh, chasing Thistlewood more in the post. Um, and uh, Miller will be chasing Roddy wherever he is. Do you have a projected starting five on your notes for Colorado State by chance, Eric? Just that the, the the starting five that they've had most recently and they've been going with for the last several games is Moore, Stevens, okay. Roddy, Thistlewood, okay. and then Moores, James Moores uh, at the center position. He's a so he's freshman. Six Dude. foot ten freshman. What are the chances that Bean and Keta both have major double double games here? I mean, well, I mean, they, I think they oh, are the have rebounding big, big disparity games. between these two teams is significant. Yeah, I think Bean and Keta are going to have heydays. In rebounding both these games. margin for Colorado State plus point four. Rebounding margin for Utah State plus eleven point six. Oh goodness gracious! <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, we should have done our over-under pick six today, man. Those boards would have been high for us, huh? Um, yeah. So that's why I think that whomever has the defensive assignment on Roddy, that's the key for me. 
And okay. so I think you're right. It probably is going to be more Brock Miller than yeah. it would be. But I, tr- I, mean, I trust Justin both. Bean. Like, whoever it is, I trust them both. I, I think they'll both do great work. And, I mean, they, I, like I said, that defense just wears you down to where you're just you're tired of it and you take bad shots. And I think that's what they did to San Diego State. They made him t- – I mean, there's a few bad shots that San Diego State should have never even took in the first place. We could have had better possessions and a better shot. That's what that defense does. They just exhaust you. Yeah, I'm looking at the – from the – uh, Colorado State uh-huh. release notes. their game notes. Uh huh. They actually they list Roddy more as a power forward, and Thistlewood as a small forward. So, so Roddy and Bean maybe. So maybe it is Roddy and Bean then after all. You because Roddy wow. does grab a lot of rebounds. He actually leads a team in rebounding. How in the world? What's it, what's his measurements again? Do you have that by chance? I mean. David Roddy, he's six foot five, and he leads the team in rebounds at two hundred and fifty pounds. So he's thicker he's than thicker. Thistlewood. Thistlewood <laughs> is six foot. I'm six, trying to avoid saying that name. Sorry. Two twelve. Um. Wow. Yeah, geez. If I mean, if being if if Bean and Roddy in a matching up, watch out for that. It's gonna be a fun matchup. I would salivate at that while being able to see that one. Because those two are going to just go at each other. But Keta's going to have a... Like, if I don't know... Keta's going to feast. Yeah, I was going to say, you just give the ball to Keta and let his do his thing. And if Colorado State's dumb enough to go inside, let Keta handle it. <laughs> That's just incredible. Uh, 2787, thanks for the text. Uh, great game Saturday against San Diego. Score prediction tonight, 64-51. to 51 Ooh, I like Utah that. State. I like that. That's good. That, that's, that's a good score prediction. Uh, 9310, we've seen great things from Keta, Miller, and Ashworth over the past two games. Hoping to see Worcester, Anthony, or Bean have a solid game. I want to see Worcester, not Worcester, uh, sorry, Worcester uh, get into it more. Like, uh, and, he, and he's had some chances to shoot. I feel like there's a freshman wall that he's hitting that somehow, like, Ashworth blew through. And I'm not sure exactly how that happens. I want to see, I want to see Worcester get a. I don't know if selfish is the correct word. Maybe aggressive more. Get to the hoop. Get to the line. Draw fouls. Draw some contact. I, I think he's really good at doing that. I'm kind of surprised I haven't seen a lot more of it. Maybe it's just based on competition. But, yeah, I like to see him get aggressive in this series. Uh, that's a good point, though. We've seen some great games from a couple of these other guys. Um, there was a text was it yesterday. Uh-huh. Uh, someone a little critical of, of Bean. But, uh, really? Uh, I felt like look, this is a guy who's been doing things. I'm not, I'm not going to bag on Bean. I like what he's doing. <laughs> he didn't always show up in his stat sheet. Um, he drew a, de- a tough defensive assignment. Yeah. And he's going to have another tough defensive yeah, assignment. absolutely. But, but I, like, I like his chances. Sure, absolutely. Because uh, Bean is going to have a size advantage. He won't, he won't be as thick as Roddy. Yeah. Roddy's got more weight. But Bean does have a little more length. Oh no, I I just I never ever count out Bean. He is willing to box out anybody and do whatever. Scrappiest guy. But I mean, it used to be by a wide margin last year. Now I'd say it's by a thinner margin. Thanks to Ashworth this year, he's still the scrappiest guy on the court. He's willing to get his body on the floor, sacrifice whatever he's got to. I, like you said, he does everything that the stat sheet doesn't show you. That makes a big difference in the game. I'm uh, I'm going to give Bean a lot of credit for last week's series. Look forward to seeing him tonight. Uh, two one nine seven texts in. Thistlewood is a sniper yes. from outside. We have to yes, stay on I think I was going to say last year. I want to say he kept the Rams in it. 
Like he can, like, if he catches fire and gets in rhythm, two one nine sevens, right? That guy will shoot lights out. You've got to have a hand in his face at all times. Got to have eyes on him. Uh, nine three one five tonight. 70, 71 USU, Colorado State fifty eight. I think Bean will have a great game tonight with stats. Yeah, I think Bean and Keta fill the stat sheet in about every way possible. Keta honestly could have. Well, I don't know. It just depends how dumb Colorado State gets. But, man, he could have three or four blocks. I think he hits double-digit rebounds by midway through the second half. And, and and like you said, feast on the offensive side of the ball. No reason he shouldn't be. Utah State has a size advantage. They have a rebounding advantage. They're going to have second-chance opportunities. Um, I, I'm not worried about what happens at the low post. And I know oh, their best player is going to no. live down there, and he, he's going to get – points in different spots, but uh, he's one of the top rebounders. But he ha- they haven't really faced a lot of teams like what Utah State, how they're built. No, no, not length. even. If I dare say, not even close. I mean, not even St. Mary's is in that realm. I can, they, and they got blasted by St. Mary's by like 14 or something. 20. About 20, yeah. yeah. I just, and, and, and St. Mary's doesn't have close to what Utah State's looking at this year. And so I would, I would definitely give the nod to uh, Utah State. Inside the post, the guard play, like you said, is going to be where to watch. And I still give the nod to Utah State just based on their defensive ability. Well, I like how how well Utah State's guards are playing defensively. Brock Miller, Marco Anthony, then off the bench, uh, Stephen Ashworth, and then you even throw in there uh, your MVP of the Mountain West, <laughs> Alfonso Anderson. I said MVP of the team, not Mountain West. Get it right. <laughs> but he. He's that combo guy. I think he's going to have uh, draw some yeah. defensive assignments on Roddy as well. He's a pain well. in the end to guard too. I mean, he's just so big, so physical. Like, and I and I'm not saying Colorado State shies away from the physicality of the game, but I would definitely think that. Uh, I mean, just dealing with Fonzo is going to be a problem. I, I that's another guy I think you're going to see have a great game is uh, is Alfonso Anderson. I look forward to uh, seeing him get a couple of uh, I don't know, just a, a good good stat sheet stuffer as well. Just comparing the measurables, sure. uh, Alfonso Anderson, six foot six, two twenty. <laughs> David He's Roddy, all muscle, <laughs> six foot five, two fifty. And what was Anderson's height again? The, Sorry. the only guy close to to Roddy in weight is Keta, who's two forty five. Dorius is two forty. So Dorius is two forty, with like maybe a couple book bags on him, full of rocks. There's no way. <laughs> Come on. I'm serious. <laughs> I love Dorius, but he's 240? Yes, he's 240. If I give him a hug, I'm going to break him. Huh? Well, good for him. So, Roddy, he's that's a thick dude. Hey, what's... He's going to try to... He may try to do some bully ball stuff, depending on who, yeah. who's guarding him. What's Anthony's measurement? Do you have... I, Marco? Yeah, I'm just kind of curious on the guard side of that. Uh, Yeah, Marco, 6'5", 225. Yeah, he's he's gonna have he's gonna have a presence tonight. I think Marco will I'd like to see him shoot well on the offensive side, but I think it's more of the defensive side of the ball. He's gonna be really important. Well, I mean, look at Utah State's guards: six five, two twenty five for Marco Anthony, and Raleigh six three, two hundred. Compared to their guards, Kendall Moore, who's five ten, one fifty one, <laughs> and Isaiah Stevens, who's six foot one eighty. Yeah. That's a good point. So uh, uh, I like how Utah State measures up against these guys. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I like just the, the physicality and the aggressive defense that they're playing with. And right they are very physical and aggressive, yes. <laughs> uh, 9315, I think Bean will have 10 points or more tonight. Yeah, and 9315 also says, Ajay was right about Keta being Mountain West Player of the Week. So happy for both of you. <laughs> I was just happy I was right for once. <laughs> Golly. No, I, that, that's pretty awesome. You got named Mountain West Conference Player of the Week, but no surprise. You don't play that well in two games against a quality team and not get named the flat player. So good for him. Yeah, I mean, he, wow. It's not yeah. his first. It won't be his last. No, great <laughs> series for him. Um, and uh, I have to pull it up here. Uh, back-to-back double-doubles uh, in the first game, 14 points, 16 boards, three seals, a block and an assist. Uh, in the second game, uh, another double-double, 10 points, 10 boards, five blocks, four assists, Good heck. and another steal. And I love this. This is from the Mountain West. Ketta's final block was followed by four unanswered points by Utah State to put the Aggies in the lead for the rest of the game. Difference maker. In every way, shape, or form. And just an unbelievable basketball player. And remember, come from Portugal. Oh. <laughs> nobody, nobody, nobody knew even knew the heck was. he was. Yep. Uh, conference player of the year. It's Keta, and it's by a wide mile right now. Ahead of Alston? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I mean, because again, with all due respect to Derek Olson Jr., who in this, and honestly, this could change, Eric, but but uh, <laughs> uh, Utah State has lost how many games in conference play? None. And how many has Boise State lost? None. Oh, I thought they lost one. No, that's San Diego State. Sorry. But again, I mean, but Olson's got help. He's got a lot of help around him. And I wouldn't say. I mean, I'm not saying that Utah that Keta doesn't have help around him. But, I mean, he's got two freshmen that are playing heavy minutes. Actually, and then you got a guard who's a transfer from Virginia who didn't see any minutes last year's playing this year. Like, Ked is a big reason why this team, and I'm proving your point from yesterday, so don't I was say just going to ask, no, say, stop, who, who stop. did you say was no, your MVP? Stop, Ashworth. Um, you said Anderson. I said Ashworth. You said Anderson. No, I said Ashworth. You said Alfonso I got the receipts, Eric. <laughs> hey, did you see this 9463 text? We missed it, but it's good. Uh, I was just reading it while you were proving my point so, that I so was making So you weren't even yesterday. listening to me. So you weren't even listening to me. I was waiting for you to You're play it say, out, and I'm then sorry, I was just going to say, I, I forgot. I was playing Tetris. did you Tetris. say it was going to be the MVP? What did you say? <laughs> so 9463, this is what the text says. This is great. Not speaking for Coach Smith, but you have to think that their priority in practice the past few days is trying to be more offensively minded. They've won all these games on the defensive end and rebounding battle, and you have to think that to get to the level that they want to be, they've got to find ways to win games on the offensive side. That was a struggle against BYU and in the other losses. Need someone to put up 20-plus points tonight. Mm. I don't know that this team, the way it's built, needs one person to score 20-plus, but I think you need four guys in double figures. Yeah. Is that hard to do? Is that too much to ask, you think? Uh, they've proven they can do it. Yeah. They've done it multiple times already. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying if they don't get four guys. And I think the, the, the struggle against BYU gloom, was, was was a couple of things. One, they couldn't make a free throw. And two, I mean, they were just missing flat-out open looks. Well, and too many unforced errors. Well, and then too. Alex Barcelo just couldn't miss. And Matt Lawner, who, by the way, was 0 for 13 from three, 
goes into that game and hits three. I mean, it's just it's how it goes when you play BYU. Trends end for them, and just you can't can't catch a break on 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 the Aggie side, which is extremely unfortunate. But look, I think the defensive end is where they are winning a lot of games, and I think there is a focus on that to be really great defensively, and they've um and they've definitely relied on that. Sure, there's going to be games where they got to put up some uh, a lot of points, but hey, the goal is to not let them score and for you to score. And I think if you can do that and uh, limit their scoring, then you don't have to put so much pressure on your offense. Uh, amen. We're going to call a timeout here on the Football yep. Press. We want to continue to get your feedback, your score predictions for tonight. Utah State taking on Colorado State. If you cannot be there in person, game is going to be shown on CBS Sports Network. So it's coming up a little bit later on tonight. We'll continue to break it down. Uh, Utah Jazz are also in action tonight. Uh, ESPN. Now, though the well, pretty much all the coaching vacancies have been filled in college football. They've uh, graded all of them. How did they grade Blake Anderson coming to Utah State? Very interesting to see what they had to say about that. We'll also, get into our stat and player. Coming up next on the Full Court Press. Do you need a good home power backup plan? Second Sun Solar has a home battery backup solution that helps you take control of the power around you. Control your energy consumption, power your home, and keep the lights on during emergencies. Second Sun Solar will install your system and help with tax credits. Act now and save $1,000 off on your purchase when you mention this ad. Call Second Sun Solar today at 435-248-2399 or online at utahsolardirect.com. Let's take a look at the numbers. It's the stat that blew our minds. He did what? On the Full Court Press. Wow, that blew my mind. We do this every Tuesday. We go through, look back, and celebrate. Different achievements on the court or on the field of play. Yeah, we celebrate. Yeah, we call them our player of the week. Celebrate. They each get a four by four thing of Wendy's. <laughs> also, share a stat that blew our minds. So we'll start off with the stat. What in the fetch is that? What in the world is going on in America these days? So for me, I'm trying to stay on topic. The oh. Monday's Associated Press poll was the first since December 18th, 1961. Great. Now I got to find a new stat. This is fun. That neither Duke. Kentucky and North Carolina. What have I told you about communicating with were me? All unranked. But back then, only t- 10 teams were ranked. There have been over 1,200 AP polls, and only 14 in that entire history have been without those three teams. Yeah, so I'm looking for a new stat now, so you're welcome. <laughs> Okay, I'll sacrifice How am my I to stat. know? It was Come, cool. It was a, that blew my mind. <laughs> blew my mind, too. That's why I had it. Okay, fine. Um, Let's see here. You know what? We're going to go full David Locke mode here. You know what I'm talking about. Teams with Tom Brady as a starting quarterback are 16-2 and two when they score 30-plus points in the playoffs. Only losses were the 06 AFC Championship against Indianapolis. We will never talk about that game again. Or in the Super Bowl, or me, and the Super Bowl against the Eagles, which we will also not talk about. In the twenty, in the last twenty seasons, teams are fifty-one and three when they have a turnover margin of plus three or better. As your David Locke stat of the day. <laughs> what? What makes that a David Locke stat? Are you kidding me? 
Have you not listened to David Locke's broadcast? <laughs> uh, he's shooting 41% with a right hand in his face in the left corner. Unless two fingers are down, he's then shooting 62%. If he is, uh, if he's winking at him, he's a cool 85% from deep. And if there's a cloud in the sky, <laughs> in the southern horizon. Hey, do you hate the screen assist thing? I, I'm getting so annoyed at that. Like, oh, I wonder what Rudy Gobert's screen assists are. It's not an assist. Don't make something up that's not true. It's an important play that okay. results in points. No, it's a screen. Do you think Patrick Viewing back in the day is like, hey, I think we should be uh, looking at my screen assist so I can get, you know, I think my contract should be higher now. I have 20 screen assists. So it does raise an interesting question. How do stats look in 10 years or 15 years compared to what they look like now? Oh, they're just... Uh, just look at how baseball has evolved. Yeah. It used to be runs, strikeouts, you know, balls, walks. But now it's... Win over replacement and OBS, slugging percentage. Yeah. I mean, you got all kinds of stats in baseball that they never dreamed of. True. It's true. I, I just, I we don't want to make it too complicated. Why can't we just have stats that are numbers, simple, basic numbers that are key to know? Points, rebounds, assists, blocks, steals. But if you can track something that indicates a player's effectiveness whether that player should be on the court versus another player. Yeah, but should we yeah, just like leave that absolutely to absolutely should be tracking that. Yeah, but as well the coaches should, the coaching staff, the analytics team on the staff should, not us. I mean, we shouldn't be like, "Hey, by the way, Roddy is right now a uh, minus 4 when he's dribbling with his right hand going to the right side of the yard." Like, come on, we're trying too hard. Like, like, I mean, that should be in a scouting report, not necessarily in a box. I mean, score. I love Andy Larson, but my gosh, it's <laughs> it's just too much for me sometimes. I remember one time he asked like some deep stat thing, and the crazy thing is, I think some coaches are like, "Who cares?" Andy Larson one time asked him like some deep stat question, and Quinn just finally looked at him and said, "Andy, you're trying too hard." <laughs> like we are at some point, we're just trying too hard. Just look at it for what it is. A spade is a spade. Hey, look, he scored forty points. He had a great game, and he shot well. He's a good player. He should play. Yeah, like, come on. Like, quit trying to – and then, like, yeah, like, reporters throw all these weird stats. Like, Craig Smith, there's a certain reporter who I'll not mention. In Craig's press conferences, he'll, be, he'll throw out these weird numbers, and Craig's like, yeah. You know, I haven't really looked at that because I'm kind of just looking at the team. Is that Curious George? <laughs> I tried. I forgot you had that. Forgot you had that. Every, oh man, I forgot that you had that hidden curious. in the back pocket. Yes, curious George. That's who I'm talking about. Very curious. <laughs> Can't imagine the names you got from me besides Deflator and Ringmaster. <laughs> All right, since you feel like I stole your stat, why don't you go first with your play? You did steal my stat. I don't feel like it. You did. Okay, my player of the game is Chad Henney. Think about this. Mahomes goes out with a concussion, and he got the uh, he got the WWE style chokehold on him. <laughs> and then Chad goes in there. He throws a pick in the end zone, like on first down, which by the way was a horrible throw. And you realize why Chad Henney was never better than Tom Brady, even at Michigan. And then, like third down, Chad scrambles for a near. Oh, he scrambles for a first down, and then turns around on fourth down, like on fourth down. They roll him out to the right, 
and he throws the completion for a first down to end the uh, Brown season. Dude, that takes gojones <laughs> to make that call with True. your backup quarterback who has seen very limited, very limited action, and to say, Henny, I know you haven't been in long, and I know it's the AFC divisional round, and I know if we don't get this, we're probably going to lose, but I need you to roll out right and throw me a fourth down pass for a first down. That is gutsy. Very. And people are going to say, well, Reed made a great call. No. The quarterback throwing the ball wow. and rolling out in the weather had to throw it, I think, is the great, incredible excuse. That's a great call. He, and that uh, that scramble that he had yeah. off to the left Dude, side, yeah, that was... If you're a Browns fan, you're losing your mind on that, by the way. That's, yeah. that's going to haunt you for game? a long time now. Yeah, uh, I'm also going with the quarterback, uh, but it was the starter, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. Uh, multiple touchdown passes in eight straight games. That's tied for the longest streak in the NFL postseason. Tied with Joe Flacco. Wow. Um, I, what surprises me more is that Joe Flacco did that. Um, <laughs> not so much that Aaron Rodgers has done that. Uh, but he's also, uh, the uh, their game, uh, their playoff game here just this last weekend, it's the second time that his team has scored uh, under his direction, has scored 30 points or more in the playoffs against the number one scoring defense. Oh. That impresses me perhaps more than anything. They took that Rams defense and just swept yeah. it aside. But I didn't think the Rams defense was going to be that good because Aaron Donald's obviously not 100%. Jalen Ramsey just got torched. That part kind of surprised me, actually, is watching Jalen Ramsey get beat the way he did. And they kept going after him. Yeah. They didn't hide from him at all. It's like, I don't care. You think you're the number one Yeah, group? exactly. And Aaron Rodgers just kept going his way. And I think that kind of surprised the Rams. I mean, obviously didn't uh, make uh, Ramsey too happy, but... Look, if you can go after him and be successful like that, that said a lot, man. That that Brady Rogers matchup this week is going to be a lot of fun, and you're going to see a lot of chess in regards to both quarterbacks versus their respective defenses. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Roger Staubach, he is the only other quarterback to score 30 points or more, would be a part of a team that scored 30 points or more uh, against the number one scoring defense uh, and doing that multiple times in the playoffs. So uh, Aaron Rodgers is. He's had an incredible season. MVP? Man, I I think he, to, he has to be a strong consideration. As many touchdowns as he threw and, and so few interceptions and all the talk before the season that he didn't have a supporting cast. Look what he did he, despite all of that. It's amazing. Yeah, he's something else. Him, I mean, this era of quarterbacks that we've been able to have with Roger, or Rogers, Rogers, Brady, Breeze, I'll put Roethlisberger in there. Um, who else am I? Am I missing anybody in the in, in that era of? I mean, I know that have been consistently great. Yeah, I, I mean, think I think Mahomes will get up there. I do. I think Mahomes is already making his way very quickly onto that onto that list. Well, uh, Rivers is in that that age category, but I don't put him in the no. same classification as those guys. I don't even put Rivers in the Hall of Fame. The only thing that he has going for him is longevity. And that's about... That's it. But, because when you're in the game you that long, you're going to rack up a bunch of stats. Yeah, sure. But, like, he's never been to a Super Bowl. And he's had talent. Like, LaDainian Thompson, oh, that yes. defense, Merriman with on it. And he had Antonio Gates. And he still can go to a Super Bowl. Um, he, I, I think he's, I mean, he's probably top, like, eight in a couple of records in regards to quarterback records. But nothing major... 
I just it's not attractive to me as a whole. I mean, maybe one day he'll make it, but if he is a second round or second time Hall of Famer, I guess on the second bout, whatever that would be. And Teddy Bruschi, my main man of the Patriots defense from that dynasty, isn't in. Uh, then I'm then I'm gonna put the NFL as the biggest scam <laughs> in sports history. Isn't it interesting in these playoffs? You had this group of these veteran quarterbacks. Yeah, Breeze, Brady, Rogers. There's so much success in history, and then you have this other group of all these up and coming guys, Allen and. Mahomes, Goff, uh, and uh, Lamar Jackson, uh, and uh, even what's his name out in uh, in Cleveland, Baker, Baker Mayfield. Thank you. So these these younger quarterbacks, young, dynamic, up and coming. Did you call Baker Mayfield dynamic? <laughs> what? He's a successful quarterback in the NFL. <laughs> Baker Mayfield is not a successful quarterback in the NFL. I'm just pointing oh out, you've got this gosh. group of young quarterbacks <laughs> and this other group of veteran quarterbacks, and there's not much in the middle. There really wasn't much in the middle yeah. here in yeah. this, these playoffs. No, that's a good point. I'll agree to that. Is uh, I guess Ben Roethlisberger is a multiple-time Super Bowl winner, so I guess he's a Hall of Famer, huh? I, I'd put him there. No, I would too. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, if you're gonna put Drew Brees in, you have to put Ben Roethlisberger in. What? If you put Drew Brees, who holds how many records in quarterbacks in in, in how many major stat categories, you have to put Ben in there. Yeah, because he's been to multiple Super Bowls and he's won multiple Super Bowls. <clears throat> uh, excuse me, I baking powder. <laughs> we have a problem over he's here. He's had a long, successful career in the NFL. Okay, but don't don't make it like that. Bree that Roethlisberger's resume is is, I guess, close to or as is Breeze's resume. There's no way. You think they're that because, far apart? Because Ben won one more Super Bowl than Breeze. Uh, that means a lot. If he won a Super Bowl, oh, it does. So Trent Dilfer should be in the Hall of Fame. Oh, it doesn't mean put everything. Trent Dilfer in. Because he's in the Hall of Fame because he won a Super Bowl. Um, Eli Manning? Yeah, absolutely. He beat Tom Brady and the undefeated squad. So, yeah, I'm just saying, if it's Eli Manning, Ben Roethlisberger, Drew Brees. Okay, I put Eli Manning in over Roethlisberger. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely, dude. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) I don't know. I put Big Ben in ahead of Eli. (laughs) How come? I just think what I think that Eli benefited from a really, really good defense and things that were outside of his control. I get it. Pittsburgh had some crazy defense as say, well. Trey but Paul I think that, wants a word with you. That the success for those Pittsburgh teams were helped by what Ben did more so than what Eli did for his offense or the Giants. Whew. Man, I mean, we're going to have to save this conversation for another day. Both guys had really, really boy. good running backs that carried a very big load for both of them. Uh, Eli didn't have a good running back. Yes, he did. No, he didn't. Eli had Jerome Bettis or, uh, God, who was their uh, guy in 09? Or I guess, I guess in 2000, I guess 09. 
I can't remember who it was. Uh, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say Eli had a good running game that was consistent. There was a lot of pressure put on Eli, a ton of pressure put on Eli. But I will give you the defense of like that defense for in 07 that beat Brady and the Patriots. Strahan, JPP, uh, they were monsters. But Ben also had an incredible receiving corpse too. Santonio Holmes, uh, Antonio Brown, uh, Heinz Ward. Um, I mean, you're looking at Plaxico Burris and uh, Tyrese, uh, who made that great helmet catch. And then, I, I mean, Myron Manningham wasn't, I mean, he wasn't special until that Super Bowl. And so, um, or at least that season in the playoffs. But, man, yeah. I would, I mean, if I was a Hall of Fame ballot, I'm leaving, I'm putting Manning on. And if Ben wants to go with him, great. But, I mean, if you had to choose between one of the two, I'm taking Eli over Ben. And the fact that you said because, like, if, if Breeze is in, Ben's got to be in. That's such an insult. <laughs> You should know better. <laughs> oh, time shucks. out here in the full court yeah. press. Uh, we'll love to, we've, got, we've had a few more texts come in. We'll get to those. Want to get your score predictions for tonight? Utah State taking on Colorado State. Uh, game tips off at seven o'clock. If you can't be there, you can watch it on CBS Sports Network. We'll continue to break that down. Of uh, comments from Coach Smith coming up next hour. Uh, we'll also look at the Utah Jazz taking on the New Orleans Pelicans and what ESPN has to say about Utah State's coaching decision to hire Blake Anderson. What grade do they give the Aggies in their decision? We'll talk about that coming up on the Full Court Press. Northern Utah and Southern Idaho's home for sports. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Eric France and Ajay Salveson, hey, uh... Sending out positive vibes to our good friend John Russell and to his family. Uh, don't want to go into too much details, but he he needs good positive vibes heading his way. So he uh, whatever you can do to send him his way, it would be appreciated. No one's a better trash talker of our show than John Russell. <laughs> so no, uh, in all seriousness, uh, John, we love you. Um, we were thinking about you and giving you the best. Uh, we know you'll pull through. Hang in there, buddy. Yep. A um, couple different texts that have come through. Hey, by the way, can we skip what went wrong Wednesday? Why? It's tomorrow. I know. Can we just skip it? I think there's a few things that need to we be discussed. We don't need to discuss anything. Like, I lost pick six. Like, oh, we just yeah. forget that Look happened? Look at you. You didn't throw pick six at all. You just lost it, huh? I, Fair and square. It was close. You it was dirty three dog. to two. Oh. Came down to the wire. Nine three one five poses a really good question. How okay. much does it help USU tonight having the game in Logan? Um, it helps, but I mean, I think I think it helps because it has fans, right? Because I mean, if if you go to UNLV, it's just an open scrimmage because there's no fans at all. They can't have anybody in, inside, and so maybe I I don't know. I think maybe it helps just because we have fans and that's it. Otherwise, it's it's another game. I think it helps. You've got the fan energy. Um, it's here. You didn't have to travel on a short turnaround from yeah. a, a game uh, you, on Saturday. Emotional and physical grinding game, yeah. But I think I would still pick Utah State over Colorado State. Sure, absolutely. Of yeah, the venue. As, as would I. But they do got a tough time. I mean, you go from here, and then you turn around, you go play in Fresno, or you go to Las Vegas, play the Rebels, turn around, and then the following you're in Fresno, come back home. Uh, it's yeah, it's tough. And again, be a team 
two day or two games in three days. It's not easy. Not easy. Uh, three eight eight six texts in from our last conversation. You can't discount Rivers, no Super Bowl, and then turn around and say big deal. Ben won two when comparing to Breeze. Rivers, no Super Bowl, and then turn around and say big deal. Yeah, okay, yeah, no, 3886 has got a great point. I think it was more the fact that you said Big Ben is, 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 is he's going if, in. If Drew Brees, Brees is, is in, in, Big Ben's definitely going in. Wait, what? <laughs> they, they're both That's going what got in. Me. Yes, they're yes, both, they're both in. getting in. Rivers is not. Sorry. If 3886, if you were hoping for us to defend. Oh, yeah. If you're, yeah, if you're, asking if you're defending defend Rivers, Rivers uh, we ain't joining you on sorry, that ship. Nope. Not there. <laughs> uh, 2197, couple of texts. If Ketta stays out of foul trouble, Aggies will He's roll. got to stay out of foul trouble. He has to. And none of these dumb fouls, too. I just felt like, what, two, maybe three, Eric, I can't remember, two or three fouls were on him. Just really dumb fouls. And one of them was like, what, 20 feet away from the hoop? Shouldn't even been reaching in the cookie jar. Did and got caught for it. Got to be smarter. But he's going to have a huge advantage in this yeah. series. Take advantage of it and be smart. Play smart minutes. Yes, absolutely. Uh, by the way, prediction, Aggies win 73-62. to 62. Oh, okay. I like that. Yeah, I can take that. I like that. Uh, one more from 2197. Goff? You serious, Clark? <laughs> <laughs> my, my point there was being... That there was a group of old Dude. quarterbacks, veteran quarterbacks, <laughs> and a group of young National quarterbacks. He Lampoon's vacation. Yes. <laughs> 2197 is my favorite texter now. You just won that award. <laughs> oh, that's great. He's serious? <laughs> <laughs> oh, shoot. That's so good. Thank you, 2197. That made my day. Uh, 3886. Not a Rivers fan. Just keeping you honest. Okay. Okay. No, that, that, and that, that's fine. Absolutely. No, and then, and, and, but I think that's more towards me, too, of just, hey, I can't say, you know, Rivers didn't win a Super Bowl, so you can't put it, you know. Yeah. I, I, I get what 3A6 is pointing out, and it's a very, very good point to make, too. Extremely well point. Yes. I think uh, we can't get rid of what went wrong Wednesday because I have to own up no. to no. Dynamic, <laughs> oh, qu- young, dynamic <laughs> quarterbacks in the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of just sticking with young quarterbacks hey, in the which, playoffs. Which is worse, that or, hey, how are you doing, AJ? Have a conversation. My uh, my family listened to your show. <laughs> Great. Great. <laughs> Love you, bud. See you later. Great. <laughs> Wonderful. Stick around for that tomorrow. No, <laughs> you don't want to. Hey, before we go, AJ, and before you have to sneak out. Yeah. Um. ESPN, now that the Texas position has been filled, most coaching positions have been filled. I guess now Tennessee has a new opening. But uh, they've gone through and they've graded all the coaching hires and how that took place. And uh, they graded them all. And for Utah State, replacing Gary Anderson and Frank Miley with Blake Anderson, they gave the Aggies a B. A B. Uh, they start out recognizing that Anderson has won seven to nine games his first six seasons at Arkansas State, but they did take a step back this fall, um, saying, you know, maybe it is because you know, he needs a fresh start after he lost his wife to cancer. He has experience in the Mountain West when he was an assistant at New Mexico. But then this is how they close it out. My concern here is the fit. 
Utah State is in a unique location, and knowledge of the state and how to recruit in Logan, Utah, is essential for success. Who wrote this? Athletic Director John Hartwell, (laughs) an outsider himself from Alabama, had several good options within the state. Weber State coach Jay Hill among them. Anderson, age 51, also seems to be descending a bit in his career. You agree with the assessment of giving the Aggies a B and why they were given a B? Uh, <clears throat> I think. Can you compare? Is it fair to put like the example of Craig Smith in that conversation? Is that fair or no? To say, well, you know, you got to be familiar with the state and its recruiting, you know, and and what its likes and dislikes are in regards to recruiting. Because I mean, we took Craig Smith from South Dakota State. Brought him over here, and now look what we've done. Or look what he's done, excuse me. And so I don't... I used to believe that. I'm not going to lie to you. But, I mean, Craig Smith is a pretty darn good example that, look, you can take someone from anywhere. Well, no, excuse me. You can take another coach that you have belief in, that you feel like his personality can fit, that his love and uh, his love will increase for the university, for the community, and for the fans, and for the team... And, and have a lot of success without even knowing about the return missionary or the Polynesian or the in-state stuff. Like, you can still you can still do it. I don't know. Maybe Is that a bad example to use? No, I think it's a very fair one, and I think it's an appropriate one. It's an illustration that, look, you don't have to be from Utah or be connected to the Utah State program. To uh, be, though, if wow. you're If you're going to be a good coach, you can still be a good coach in Logan, Utah. Yes, there are some differences and some unique aspects of it, but if they're a good coach and they're good listeners, they'll listen and they'll understand and they'll understand and they'll figure out how to use that to their advantage. So, I don't, I don't, I just, I really disagree with the assessment here. Me too. I, I, I think it's an unfair assessment too. Yeah. I mean, I like look. We again. I just, I keep it keeps hitting me in the face. But Craig Smith came from an NAIA school. I mean, was an assistant at Colorado State, but came from an NAI school, and we have now won two Mountain West Conference championships, should have been two back-to-back NCAA appearances, now undefeated in conference play without your former best player, one of the best ever in school history. Like, give credit where credit's due, and I mean, I'm, I'm trusting Mr. Hartwell on this one. I, he's doing his homework. I'm going to leave it there. Yeah, I just... I really like what I'm seeing from Me Blake too. Anderson yeah, and how and he's putting his coaching staff his together staff, yeah. and how the, there's a lot of uh, transfers coming to Utah State. Now, he has had his first opportunity to start meeting with players yesterday. Yeah, it's true because they got back, huh? They started returning to campus. That's a good point. Yesterday and today, the first days of school. I kind of wonder who was there and who wasn't, though. Right, Utah State. Yeah, well, don't know. Don't know that. It's a good question, especially after last week's yeah. findings. Yep. All right, coming up next, we'll get to uh, we'll hear from Craig Smith next hour about his thoughts about Colorado State. Stick around. The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 1069 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Eric Franson here on a Tuesday. Love to hear from you as well. We had some great interaction last hour. Keep it going. Keep the texts and messages coming in. Text us at 435-339-0321 
or message us directly through the 106.9 The Fan mobile app. Uh, Utah State getting ready for Colorado State tonight in the Spectrum. Our friends next door, Al Lewis, Jalen Moore, will be doing their pregame coverage starting at 6 on KVNU. And then the game, you can watch it. If you're not going to be there in person, you can watch it on CBS Sports Network. And then as soon as it's over, turn your radio dial on again or fire up the KVNU mobile app, and uh, we'll break it down and hear from coach and players and take your uh, reactions as well. And uh, I'll actually be able to hang out with Al Lewis again tonight as the Aggies take on the Rams. Um, And uh, by the way, Utah State is favored by eight coming into the game. This is a Colorado State team that shoots the ball well. Uh, they've got a 6'5 guard slash forward who's uh, he's he's a big body. He's thick, uh, and uh, he's uh, he's a load down low. Grabs uh, a lot of rebounds in addition to scoring a lot of points. So I think that takes a, a probably a big defensive assignment for Justin Bean to slow him down. But uh, the guard play for Utah State also will need to be on point. Aggies have a significant size advantage in this game at uh, pretty much every position on the court, so they'll need to really uh, use that to their advantage, creating turnovers, blocking shots, taking away passing lanes. We'll see how it all plays out. Again, it starts at 7 o'clock, and we'll hear from Coach Smith here in just a moment. Uh, But before we do that, I wanted to get into a few things that were brought up at the tail end of our last hour. Um, The uh, ESPN, uh, their group uh, went through and they graded uh, Adam uh, Adam Rittenberg actually is the one who did this uh, graded all the different coaching hires throughout college football gave the Aggies a B for hiring Blake Anderson and then uh, Ozzie and I both disagree with that we we think this is a an exciting hire he's assembled a really good staff and uh, we're hearing good things so far about how recruiting is going for Utah State, and a big part of that is keeping guys on staff. Now, uh, with the news last week, how the Board of uh, Higher Education essentially ruled against the players and sided with Noel Cockett. Uh, don't know how or what kind of an effect that will have on any potential returning players or not. But uh, nonetheless, with Blake Anderson and his staff, uh, see encouraging things. Now, how do they uh, got a question about uh, Boise State? How were they graded? Uh, Andy Avalos, uh, and uh, he was the uh, previously uh, a defensive player at Boise State. He uh, transitioned into uh, a defensive assistant for both Brian Harson and before him Chris Peterson. He uh, was at Oregon, became their defensive coordinator. Was uh, now. Oregon was ninth nationally in scoring in the scoring defense. So definitely very good defensive mind. How will he do as an offensive or, or excuse me, as a head coach, especially over a program that's usually very well known for its offensive output. So how he puts his coaching staff will be very interesting. But uh, nonetheless, they gave Boise State an A minus for their hire. Uh, Rittenberg uh, high on the Boise State with their uh, track record of success, bringing in people who have been previously connected to that program. Uh, you know, Kellen Moore was previously uh, a, a potential candidate to be his head coach, be the head coach at Boise State of his alma mater, but uh, backed out, and now he's uh, in the running to be the uh, head coach at uh, Philadelphia, which is interesting. Uh, he's he's uh, being interviewed 
and is in, is in consideration. Uh, so, interesting comments. Uh, two seven eight seven asked, "What do you think about Boise's new coaching staff?" Yeah, and I think it really is about how the rest of that staff comes together for Boise and their football coaching staff. Uh, I think Avalos is a good coach. I think Boise State gets uh, most recognized for their offense, but their defense has been just as strong or stronger than their offense the last several years and doesn't get talked about enough. So, um, But will they have enough offensive firepower to hang uh, and uh, I guess to maintain their level of success that they've had in the Mountain West and among the group of five generally. Uh, 2787 also texted in about another discussion that we had. Tony Romo should go in before Ben. Really? Tony Romo should go into the Hall of Fame before Ben Roethlisberger? Ben Roethlisberger has rings on his fingers. Um, <laughs> Tony Romo doesn't. So... I think he's a great analyst. Uh, I love listening to him on the on the TV broadcasts. I think he was a decent quarterback. He definitely lacked help at certain times during his uh, career with the, with the Cowboys, but I'd still put Ben Roethlisberger in ahead of, of Tony Romo. Uh, another text that came through, um, and... Uh, this uh, a couple of people trying to keep us honest on some of our takes, and appreciate that. But uh, nine three one five. What is Ajay trying to hide for? What went wrong Wednesday? Well, stay tuned for that. It'll be fun. Um, a, a, a take that he had and got called out by somebody on that. Nine three one five also texts in. I think they gave us a lower score on Anderson, so people like us would talk more, <laughs> like a clickbait thing. I think we're more of an A minus. Uh, I don't know if they did it just for clickbait because I don't know that Logan Utah is going to provide a lot of clicks in the uh, ESPN um, uh, uh, whole entire uh, where they are in their uh, uh, their their whole connected online presence, but certainly uh, it does get us talking. Uh, and I'm with you. I think it is more of an A minus. Uh, I think it's a it was a, a hire that surprised me that. Someone like that would come here. Um, here's a guy who's proven he knows how to win conference championships. He knows how to go to bowl games. He knows how to score a lot of points. Um, but what will that defense look like? Uh, how much fire does he still have in his belly after some personal, very significant personal tragedy in his life? And is he just looking for um, uh, an escape? Or will this new... New uh, new change of scenery really proved to be a, a positive thing for him, or is he just running from from uh, past pain? Uh, but uh, look at how this coaching staff has been put together. I'm really excited for what Utah State football looks like for the future and for the, the players that are choosing to come to Logan. So I think those proved to be really exciting aspects for Utah State in the future. Um, four three five three three nine zero three two one. Uh, and another text that comes through, 8968. What kind of grade did the same people give Coach Smith two years ago? Boy, great question. Uh, and that's a great uh, proof to what Ajay's point was earlier, that you know, Rittenberg was critical of Utah State, not uh, finding somebody that was connected previously to Utah State or knew about uh, how to recruit to, uh, to Utah. But the Craig Smith has proved that doesn't really – essentially matter 
Um, certainly there are aspects that are important that uh, help with the success and help with the attention of the fan base and support of the fan base. Uh, but Craig Smith has learned that. Um, and uh, he's granted not to... Uh, uh, he's probably recruiting more international players than than Utah players that we've seen over the last few years. But uh, he is still making a lot with what he has and understands what it is to to come to Utah and to to recruit to Logan. And he's had success doing that. So great point, 8968. These guys don't always understand. These uh, uh, grades don't always make sense. They don't always know the full picture. Uh, 1189, Ajay nailed his last statement about a coach at Utah State. I follow recruiting very closely, and if you're a good coach and recruiter, you will win anywhere. It's absolutely true. You don't necessarily have to fully understand or fully grasp the Utah connection and some of the uniqueness of Logan, Utah, to still be a good coach here. If if you can learn and understand those things and uh, have your coaching staff involved with those discussions and understand the importance of it and then go find those best players that kind of check off some of those criteria, then you'll still be a successful coach. Uh, 5338, I give the Aggies a D for assembling their new football uh, new football staff. Signed, Bodie Reader. Oh, <laughs> signed, Bodie Reader, as if he was the one sending the, the text. Ah, very clever. Five three three eight. Take me a second. Uh, yeah, Bodie Reader. That did not work out uh, for Utah State. Uh, he would not be happy with how things have gone down. Um, yes, but I I really like this coaching staff and how it's come together. And from I think for all intents and purposes, it's all in place. Um, they uh, put out a, a short video today on social media. Uh, their first meeting with players. And introducing themselves, getting ready for this next chapter of Utah State football. Kind of an exciting hype video, if you will, which is kind of common this time of year, but especially for a new coaching staff. So uh, I think it's exciting to see what can happen for Utah State uh, and uh, and football in the future. But still, uh, some big questions remain, and we may not really know fully for another couple of weeks what this what this uh, coaching staff has to work with. Are they going to have to go out and find 25 scholarship players because of all the from players that are leaving? Or uh, is it not going to be that many because guys decided to stick around? And uh, they just have a few key holes to fill. We're already, I've already been impressed with uh, the transfers that are deciding to come to Utah State from Power 5 programs or guys with significant experience at good programs decided to come to Logan. So, excited to see how that works. I'd love to get the text continuing to come in. I'd love to get your thoughts, your keys, and your predictions for tonight's matchup between the uh, Aggies and the Rams. Uh, And uh, the Vegas line, for entertainment purposes, has Utah State favored by eight. And I actually, I I like that line, but I'd probably take Utah State to cover even. And the big difference here is I just think Utah State defensively is superior to Colorado State in a lot of different ways. The Aggies outmatch them size-wise on every position on the court. 
And um, the way that Utah State defense is is tuned up right now, especially the guards, that makes a big difference. They don't have anybody in the low post that can contend with Nimi. So he should feast in this matchup over these next couple of days. Uh, speaking of the defense, Craig Smith weighed in a little bit about that, just how his team has really bought into the defensive mentality and just how well they're playing defensively right now. And uh, that makes a huge difference in how they can be able to stay on top of the Mountain West Conference. Well, we've guarded really well. Our guys have really bought in. We're playing very connected on that end of the floor. Our guys are communicating well. Uh, and then you just look at our – and so it takes grit. It takes effort. Got to be prepared. But we also – you know, this is a player's game, and our players have really bought in to the defensive end. And we have we have very good size. We have strong physical players up and down the lineup regardless of position. Um, we have big physical guards. Uh, and, but we got and we have a size and obviously Kata um, really anchors us that way. I mean, he's an elite defender. Um, it's six, you know, in shoes, seven foot tall and the range that he has in his ability to run the floor, um, to defend screen and roll, to guard in the post and then just protect the paint is a high, high level. And Trevin Dorius uh, is a legitimate seven one. And I mean, he's a phenomenal athlete as well. So those guys, you know, really anchor us defensively, but you got Justin Bean out there and Alfonso Anderson and Brock Miller is taking his game to a whole nother level defensively. And Marco's a big, Marco's Anthony's a big, strong physical guard. And, you know, our freshmen are, you know, Wooster and Ashworth and are, have figured some things out and Bearstow's six, seven, six, eight. So, you know, we, we got some guys that have really bought into it and we have some physical players and, we have some guys that understand what we're trying to accomplish. It took a couple games to figure some of that stuff out, but we have guarded at a high level. And so it's a combination. Our assistants do a great job um, getting us prepared. And and so hopefully we can keep it going. You know, it's uh, something that you got to do every night. You got to have great energy and toughness to do that. And we'll certainly be tested on Tuesday. Uh, they will be tested. This Colorado State team not to be overlooked uh, they're very similar to Utah State in how many points per game on average, but uh, there are a couple other things that, that stand out that they do have an advantage over the Aggies. The little better field goal percentage, they've got um, uh, their three-point uh, percentages is, are, are better, so they're better from beyond the arc, better at the free throw line. Um, they uh, this is a team that can put up uh, can put up some points, and they're not a bad defensive team either. Uh, opponents, uh, their, their points allowed per game is 63.8. Now, Utah State's better than that at 59.3, but uh, the Rams are, are a good team, especially uh, good outside shooting, and I brought this up last hour, but when you look at uh, throughout conference play and conference statistics, they are the number one three-point field goal percentage team and the number one three-point field goals made team. Um, so they average... Um, 11.3 field three-point field goals a game at 41%. Uh, and uh, really, just generally, a really good shooting team. But one of the best field goal percentages. And they also do a really good job at sharing the ball, averaging at about 16 assists per game. Uh, but uh, we've talked about this a lot. Uh, one of the key guys that they have to keep their eye on, David Roddy, 
He's tied for third in the Mountain West in rebounds per game at 9.75. He's six foot five, but he's a load. He's a big body down to the post, and uh, he's averaging almost 10 boards a game. Uh, but on the outside, Kendall Moore, he's the top uh, three-point field goal percentage shooter and in uh, three-point field goals made. He averages three-pointers uh, three a game and uh, averaging at about 46.7%. And then also the other point guard, uh, the other guard to keep an eye on for the Aggies today is Isaiah Stevens. He is the number one assist guy in the Mountain West, averaging seven assists per game. And Craig Smith talks about some of these key matchups and that are going to have to stand out in this series. Tonight, it starts at 7 o'clock on CBS Sports Network. Uh, that's a good question. I don't... <sighs> I mean, I don't usually think the game like that. I just kind of look at it. It's a team thing. And certainly there's always tough matchups. I mean, Roddy, like I said, Roddy and Stevens, are they got a lot of good players. But those guys are their best playmakers. And um, and specifically, you know, we know Stevens is a, is a true point guard, although he plays all over the place. And he shoots a three. Uh, gets to the rim, gets fouled. He's got a great pull-up game. Unbelievable. Like, he's a great passer. Um, he's had a couple double-doubles already with double-figure assists and scoring. Um, but the whole point is you, you have to have great pride in defending one-on-one, -on -one, but this is a team game. And, you know, guys are going to get beat off the dribble, and guys are um, going to be able to make different plays that way. But uh, when we get in rotation – you know, we're going to have times where Stephen Ashworth is going to have to try to box out David Roddy. So it's all – I just look at it like that. As a team, it's it's Colorado State against Utah State, and we got to be on point with all the different things because they do create – they can do some different things with their versatility, which all good teams do. And um, – but these guys – their fives, all three of their five men shoot the three. Um uh, um, at different points, you know, throughout the game. So that's something that's that we haven't seen a whole lot um, this year. So I'm not sure, Alex, that I got a specific matchup that I'm really watching. Um, but certainly you're always paying attention to that. You know, which guys are hurting us? Um, what do we need to do to defend X, Y, and Z better, whether it's a player or certain actions that they run? Because they do. They run a lot of good actions. Uh, so uh, this is certainly a uh, a better three-point shooting team, uh, a team that can shoot from the outside, and you, that, that perimeter defense will have to be one of the real big keys in this game tonight for Craig Smith and his, uh, and his Aggies, especially the guards, how well they're able to maintain the proper spacing, take away any spacing, and get a hand in the face of those uh, Colorado State guards. One of the best three-point shooting teams in the in the conference with some of the best shooters in the conference as well. We'll find out a little bit more about how he plans to 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 uh, uh, deal with that and what that might mean for his team and kind of the contrasting styles between the Rams and the Aztecs and what they had to face just last week and just a quick turnaround after uh, taking down perennially the one of the top teams in the conference and now they got to turn around and face a team that's on the rise. So uh, definitely a team not to be reckoned with. I'd uh, love to continue to get your keys or your predictions, your score predictions for tonight's game, 435-339-0321 if you want to text in and let me know your score prediction for tonight or uh, message us directly through the Fan mobile app, 106.9 The Fan mobile app. You can message us 
directly through there as well. It's more coming up here on the Full Court Press. The Aggies, Jazz, High Schools, even the Pee Wee's T-Ball team. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, The Fan. Welcome back to the Full Court Press. Continuing to get you ready for Utah State and Colorado State. Aggies and Rams tonight at 7 o'clock. Hall of Famer Al Lewis is going to start breaking things down on our sister station, KVNU, starting at 6. He and Jalen Moore always have amazing insight. A full one-hour pregame to get you ready. And then as soon as the game is over, after you, if you can't be there in person, you can watch it on CBS Sports Network. Uh, then as soon as the game is over, we'll be back on the air again, and I get to hang out with Al and Jalen afterwards uh, to uh, to see how it all all took place. And we'll hear from Coach Smith and uh, some of the players as well. So stick around after the game on KVNU later tonight and uh, what kind of adjustments might need to take place for Thursday's matchup. It'll be a late game Thursday at 9 o'clock tip-off, and it'll be shown on FS1. Uh Thanks for the text from 5763, a score prediction. 62 to 72 for the good guys in blue. Some nice uh, rhyming going on there. 5763, like that. Yeah, I'd love to get your score predictions. Uh, quite a few of them are kind of in that neighborhood. Quite a few of you are, are all, we're all kind of on the same page because that's really kind of where I'm at too. I think Aggies, low 70s. And I think Colorado State, uh, low 60s. Uh, uh, the Vegas line has Aggies by eight. I think Aggies win by double digits. I take the Aggies in the over. Uh, I think it's more like 10 or 11 points that Utah State gets this one. But to do that, they'll have to be mindful of the three-point shot. This Colorado State team, one of the tops in the league with shooting threes. They've got multiple guys who can do it. Craig Smith is aware of that. And it is a different adjustment to, uh, to how they're going to face this team compared to the last team they faced. Uh, but here's Craig Smith talking about having to face a, a, a team that does very well from beyond the arc. Yeah, um, and that, um, there's a lot of things that go into that. First of all, and we in San Diego State was the same way. They they can really get going on you, but you got to know their personnel. Like you got to really know who the guys are that can shoot it. You know, who are the guys that can make plays off the bounce? So you got to really understand personnel and who who each of our guys are guarding at a specific time. Um, they're very, very fast in transition. So we got to, and they get a lot of easy threes in transition. I shouldn't say easy, but open threes in transition. And and they have the green light, you know, to take those. And so we got to be on point with that. And then with their, with their offense, with a lot of, I mean, they run a ton of Princeton actions. Um, you know, obviously some of their actions are very similar to what are very similar or exactly what, um, air force runs. And so you just got to be on point with that stuff because, um, it can put you in a bind with some of their, you know, with some of their actions. And we just got to know what, what we're conceptually trying to do. And, and then you add to the fact that they got, um, really good playmakers off the bounce, you know, Roddy and, and Steven specifically, and they got a couple other guys too, but those two specifically are really good 
um, playmakers for them. And so when you have a four-man or five-man, really, in Roddy that you know, he can do both, that can make plays off the bounce, to drive and kick, driving and kick, you just got to be really smart with your help and you got to be able to guard the ball. And there's more that goes into that too, but you just got to be on point. And they're going to make some shots now. They're, I mean, they're going to make some tough threes. They're going to make some contested shots. Um, and that's what good teams do. They find a way to put the ball in the hole, you know? And so, but we got to really be on point with that. We're not going to be perfect, but we got to do the best that we can to make it as tough as tough as we can on them. Yeah, as he pointed out, they've got a couple different guys who can uh, that, who can shoot from three. Uh, Isaiah Stevens can put up points from beyond the arc. So can Adam Thistlewood, as was pointed out uh, previously. Um, you know, he is uh, that combination um, between those two. Um, <clears throat> and Kendall Moore, Isaiah Stevens, they can all shoot the three. They're all very effective in how they do that. Uh, this is also a team that's had two guys who've been conference player uh, of the week and have received those recognitions. Uh, Isaiah Stevens, um, or in the early part of uh, actually last week, the week previous, and then uh, David Roddy, who was the week before that. So in back-to-back weeks, they got conference players of the week recognitions for what they were able to do. And this is uh, <clears throat> this is a team that you know, against good competition. Has been able to do some good things. Now Roddy, um, he got it because of uh, uh, double doubles, sixteen and a half points, ten rebounds, two assists a game in his series uh, against. I believe that was against Fresno State. Um, and uh, Stevens, uh, he averaged twenty three and a half points, six rebounds, six assists on fifty uh, percent shooting in their series against UNLV. Uh, he was 64% on threes. So these these dudes can play. Uh, they can put up some threes, and uh, they can score points on you. So that defense definitely has to be on point for the Utah State guards. Um, and uh, this they have to do it after kind of an emotional turnaround and, and short turnaround after facing a perennial top team in San Diego State and a very physical game, especially for Guys like Ashworth and, and Miller, who were chasing guys all over the court. Ashworth ended up on the on the court multiple times, running through screens and not giving up. But uh, very different um, different style between San Diego State and Colorado State. Um, and uh, as uh, Coach Smith has already kind of alluded to, but we'll get a little bit more detail from him about some of these contrasting styles between these two teams. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. Um you know, a lot of it comes down to how the, how the game is how the game's officiated. Every game's officiated differently, uh, but then just the styles, right? You're right on, Coach. Uh, every time we play San Diego State, it is physical. Not a whole lot of fouls are called. Um, it's rugged, and you and players have to adapt. And then other times you play, and um, you know, <laughs> we played Colorado State four four times now, and I feel like it's. It's kind of like four different games in some respect, but it is a little more fluid. You know, two years ago, we won an overtime to clinch the championship, 196. Um, and I forget the other scores, but I know it feels like it's a little more of a fluid game. Um, so every night's a little bit of a different entity. They're certainly built different, you know, than San Diego State. But I, I think it's different every time you play a different team, you know, versus their personnel and, 
and um, and their style of play. So it's it's all a little bit um, different that way. But I will say um, the transition defense thing is is going to be a big big key as it was against San Diego State because I, I felt like um, um, we couldn't let San Diego State get going in transition and get easy threes, which they had done against a lot of different teams throughout the course of the year. Yeah, so different styles here a little bit coming into this game. Um, you know, These are coaches who are very familiar with each other. Not only have they been in the league uh, and head coaches for about the same time, they were both assistants at Colorado State under Tim Miles for about four seasons. So these guys know each other very well. They know what their styles are. They know what their strengths are. And maybe even know what their weaknesses are as well. Uh, but um, you know, Colorado State, they held opponents under 60 points for five straight games. So they can be a, de- a good defensive team just with their with their speed, getting to positions um, and uh, getting to where they need to be on the court. And with uh, what Roddy can do down in the low post can make it a little bit tough on opponents. Um, but uh, not only is it a little bit different style of, of team that they have to turn around and face, uh, it was a, a big emotional thing to get through and to get past San Diego State. Never has a Nagy team been able to sweep San Diego State in the regular season. And uh, some to do that can take a lot out of you. Well, everything. But our guys really respect Colorado State. Like, obviously, they're, I mean, they're 10-2. and two. Are eleven and two, um, and and seven and one in the conference. So we know this is a huge pivotal weekend for uh, for both teams, and, or not not weekend, but you know series. And so um, um, uh, a little bit of both. I mean, it's a quick turnaround. It's a quick turnaround for them too. So it's an even Steven type of deal that way. And like I've said, but many times before, right, coaches get paid to be a little bit paranoid, um, and so we just got to be on edge you know, and be ready to compete at a really high level on, on Tuesday. Yeah, and uh, again, it tips off at 7 o'clock in the Spectrum. If you do not have tickets, it is on CBS Sports Network. Um, and uh, this is I, this is going to be a great challenge for the Aggies. Uh, this will help them if they can get these wins, uh, certainly helping their uh, net rankings, help them move up. They still lack a quad one victory and they may not get a chance to get one of those until they go on the road at Boise State but uh, these are games that certainly help improve your resume and help maintain your position in the running to be on top of the regular uh, of the of the conference standings through the regular season um, Colorado State's right there behind them uh, Aggies are just ahead of them uh, right there tied with Boise State but uh, Craig Smith has a, a lot of high praise for how his team was able to get past San Diego State and now have to turn around and face a really good Rams team tonight and then late Thursday. You know, it was a great weekend last weekend, and uh, it was an emotional weekend. Uh, it was a very physical weekend. Uh, I say weekend, Thursday and Saturday. And um, uh, and we were fortunate to come out with two, good, two great wins. Obviously, we were able to end the nation's longest road winning streak on Thursday, and then we had to turn around and – try to beat the team that had that um, record for the second time in three days and also had the longest, the nation's longest um, streak of not losing back-to-back games. And so it was a great weekend for us against a very good team. And now we got a, uh, we have the, uh, a very big test ahead of us against a very good Colorado State team. They're very well coached. 
Um, they they um, do a lot of great things on both ends of the floor. You know, they return four starters from a 20-win team from last year. Uh, and we got to do it on a quick turnaround, you know, uh, uh, on a two-day prep. And, there's you know, there wasn't a whole lot of physical activity going on. We did, so, uh, obviously, a light practice yesterday. But um, but our guys are still feeling the effects physically of, of Saturday in and, and those two games. So uh, we got to work cut out for us. Like I said, a well-coached team. They do a lot of things really well. They're high octane on the offensive end. Um, they're very, very fast. They're very experienced with those four starters coming back. Um, Isaiah Stevens is a preseason first team all league pick. He was also the freshman of the year in the conference last year, and he is a very, very good player. Uh, and they have a lot of good players. David Roddy is an excellent player. Kind of a um, he's a big time. Um, Mismatch. He's listed at 6'6", 250. Um, he can do a lot of different things for him. He shoots the three. He can score inside. He handles really well. He's a good playmaker for him. Um, he plays the four and the five for them. Uh, he's a returning starter. Thistlewood is a returning starter. One of the best shooters you'll find at 6'7". Kendall Moore uh, is a really good defender. Shoots the three at a high level. Shot it over 40% last year as well and they had some other guys Tanjay's made the, the step that you would expect going from a freshman to a sophomore and so I could go on and on they got a lot of very good players um, they run a lot of Princeton actions on the offensive end um, they do a good job with their spacing so you really got to be on point um, with your help and and understanding what they're trying to accomplish with a lot of their Princeton actions that they're running and they run a lot of stuff for a lot of different guys so and they're much improved on the defensive end um, so they're a good, good passing team. They execute well. Um, they shoot a lot of threes. They have seven players on their team that average 34% or higher, um, um, in Mountain West Conference play. They're 14th in the country shooting the three at 39.1% and they make 10 a game, which is 21st in the country. So I know I'm a run on sentence here, but they're, they're a team that can make big runs in their win against San Diego state. They, Went on a 19-0 run and a 14-0 run, and that's hard to do. So, got to be on point. Got to be prepared mentally. We have a great challenge in front of us. Uh, yes, they do. And uh, but I like where they're at mentally and with their confidence after knowing that they can beat a legit good team with that good defense, that stellar defense, and uh, do enough offensively. I think that's right. Uh, this is a team that uh, Aggies maybe a. a Something they could improve on in this uh, going forward is maybe a little better uh, offense, a little more offense, cutting down on turnovers as well. But uh, certainly they made the right and good adjustments in the second half of each of those games against San Diego State to limit those turnovers and give themselves chances and, and had that nice offensive punch, especially coming off the bench at different times to get them over the hump to get past the, the Aztecs. How well will they do that tonight? That's uh, obviously the big question. Um, Eight nine six eight text in score prediction Utah State seventy six, Colorado State sixty four, very good like that uh, a lot of a lot of scores kind of in that same range that's probably the highest scoring output from the Aggies that I've seen in our predictions today but uh, all kind of in a similar range there Aggies in the seventies the uh, Rams in the sixties Aggies usually by about a ten point range and I think that's probably about accurate. 
Um, and I think that will that will happen if they can limit the three-point shot attempts and at least not give them any clean looks. They're going to make some shots. They're a good team. They've got some good shooters. Um, but uh, don't give them any easy looks. Don't give them anything that uh, is going to make it easy for them. All right. Uh, going to call another timeout here in the Full Court Press. Some other Aggie news I want to pass along. Uh, we mentioned this yesterday. We got the news yesterday about the passing of former Aggie head football coach Chuck Mills. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about his life and his legacy and um, and actually hear from him. An interview that was done with him just a few years ago by our good friend Craig Hislop. We'll, have, we'll play that back and uh, get some of those memories of Chuck Mills and what he meant to Utah State. And then Utah Jazz, they're in action tonight, taking on the New Orleans Pelicans. We'll update you on those matchups as well, coming up on the Full Court Press. The new home for the Full Court Press. Weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Last night, during the Full Court Press, we learned of the passing of Chuck Mills, former Aggie head football coach. He was head coach from 1967 to 1972 in Logan, the 16th head football coach overall in Aggie history. Led the Aggies to a 38-23-1 overall record. He was 17-7 at home, so there's a good chance if you went to a home game, you were going to see a victory. Coached some All-Americans like Phil Olson and Bill Staley. Um, They also received uh, first-team honors. Quarterback Tony Adams, second-team All-American under Chuck Mills. Uh, Michael Shea, Tom Forzani, both garnered honorable mention All-American accolades under his tutelage. Um, took the Aggies to back-to-back eight and three seasons in 1971 and 1972. After coaching with Utah State, he went to Wake Forest, spent some time there, spent nine seasons as the coach of Southern Oregon, uh, retired, uh, did take the Aggies to, uh, to Japan, which was a unique experience. Uh, but he was inducted into the Utah State Athletics Hall of Fame in 2008. One of the things that he was very well known for was his ability to reconnect with former players and coaches. And our good friend Craig Hislop interviewed Chuck Mills on the eve of Utah State's trip to Wake Forest just a few years ago, back in 2017. Mills spent 27 years as a college head football coach, six of those seasons at Utah State right after that five years as head coach at Wake Forest. And I think that's certainly one of the reasons he's going to spend the weekend at Winston-Salem where the Aggies are playing, the Demon Deacons. And Coach joins us by phone. I assume, Chuck, you're gathering again this weekend, as you do often with some of the student-athletes you've coached at all these schools. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Actually, there's about 20 Utah State players, 15 to 20 Utah State players are coming to the game. And from what I understand, about 50 or 60 of the guys at Wake uh, that I coach, and I haven't seen most of those guys, uh, geez, in 47 to 50 years. Uh, you know, the AG guys, I've seen quite a few of them every year. But So uh, it's sort of a kick. Am it's I, sort of a kick. Am I correct in remembering that you've been holding these reunions for years and inviting kids who played at all your schools, really? Well, uh, yeah, that's a brother and cousin thing. That's sort of a... Uh, a separate thing, but yeah, every three years we have a gathering of of the of the eight schools. I was a head coach, and we get about uh, uh, we just had one a couple months ago in June, and we get about 125 guys show up, and some with their families, and and through that a lot of the uh, 
a lot of the players from the different schools know each other. In fact, when uh, when Wake played up at Utah State three or four years ago, about six or seven of the Wake players came up to Logan. So how do players from, say, uh, Indiana State in the early 60s get along with the Southern Oregon guys from the late 80s? Oh, real good, real good. And they tend to, they tend to congregate together because most of the time, uh, Craig, a lot of those guys, you know, they haven't seen their own teammates except for, you know, they could, except for that gathering. But we've had guys become business partners and oh. vacation together, and they tend to stay with their own group. But they really are pretty. Uh, we've done a couple things with them that sort of forced them to get together. Uh, we put a directory together. I put a directory together one year of, of every, just about every city in the country's got some guy that was subjected to my abuse. <laughs> And I sent it out to everybody so that if you were if you were driving in Atlanta, Georgia, and your car broke down or somebody was sick, <laughs> there was somebody local you could call up for help. You know, some somebody played somewhere or other, and that's been used to some degree. So it's they become pretty good friends with each other. You know, there's something I heard once, Coach, kind of anecdotally that I have never asked you about. Is it true that uh, Chris Christopherson played for you, like at Pomona? Yeah, yeah. yeah. How good was uh, it? Ni- uh-huh. How good was it? 1959, uh, uh, he played for me. What What did he play? How good was he? A uh, tough guy. Um, he wasn't a real big guy. He was a uh, defensive end and a, and a split receiver. Uh, a real tough guy. I mean, uh, physically tough. Everything he rugby, boxing, <laughs> and uh, one of the things I like to pass along, besides being a road scholar, Every program the guy's been in, he's been number one. He was number one when he graduated from Pomona. He was number one in Ranger School. He was number one in helicopter school. And the guy's just one of those guys, a good guy, good guy. He lived a tough life, but he shaped up. He was over in Hawaii now, not too far away. Talking Chuck Mills, head coach for the Aggies, 1967 to 1972. Uh, you made a lot of coaching stops. What do you remember most about the, the six years you had in Logan? Oh, you know, it's, it's, hard, to, it's hard to put it into words, but they're sincere. They're, there's nothing like it. I mean, of course, we had, you know, we had good success, and that makes everything great. But it was a great place. It was a great place to work. I mean, uh, you weren't dealing with intrigues in a lot of schools. You're... You're placating people that have nothing to do with football, but can cause you problems. We had success. We had, uh, you know, we had some good players and great support, and uh, so you know, you you can't help you can't help but love it. I mean, that was the the best six years I had, not only success wise, but I mean, just being with those people. They were they were great, and you know, I'm, I'll never I'll never forget that as long as I'm kicking. I'll never forget that. So that was a, you know, we just had some, you know, you had some, we had some great kids. I mean, when I walked in that place as the head coach and took over for Tony, he left that stable full, boy. There were some fine horses ready to run. <laughs> well, and, uh, we are, we're less than three months away from, from Chuck's 89th birthday, Coach. It's, it's great of you to just spend a little time with us. We hope you enjoy the weekend. All right. Listen, I, I, I will, too. At my age, I just first hope is make through it, then after that, enjoy it. <laughs> Some great stuff there from Chuck Mills and uh, from our archives, an interview done with him and by our good friend Craig Hislop uh, a few years ago before an Aggie football game when the Aggies were 
headed to Wake Forest uh, early in their season back in 2017. Uh, I got to call another timeout here on the Full Court Press. And a uh, reminder, Utah Jazz, they play tonight. We'll look at the matchups there. Uh, there's some news with the NCAA tournament and uh, some changes there. We'll get into that coming up next on the Full Court Press. Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Welcome back to the Full Court Press. Hey, uh, great text from 8968 coming through on yesterday's topic on coaches. Remember Liddell Anderson won a few NCAA games, including a Final Eight where they lost to UCLA, national champs that year. Great point. Absolutely. Liddell Anderson had great success at Utah State. Should he be honored in different ways? Probably. Uh, I, I just I wonder... If his legacy is somewhat, I don't want to, I don't know another word to use, but tainted to some degree because he left Utah State to go to BYU. And I know that doesn't sit well with a lot of folks around here. So, but um, recognizing what he did, yes, there should be some recognition for those great coaches. Um, Liddell, Stu, they deserve some recognition. Utah Jazz, they're doing well. They're on a five-game winning streak, taking on the New Orleans Pelicans. They're hot right now as well, too. Played some good, really good games lately. Uh, Zion Williamson is a force in the middle. And uh, that'll be the big matchup. Rudy Gobert, Derek Favors. Will they play them side-by-side? Side? This is one of those uh, lineups. So they play big. So uh, will, will Derek Favors and Rudy Gobert play together? How will Quinn Snyder manage uh, those, uh, the, line, the, uh, the lineup? And also, uh, Ingram has given the Jazz fits in the past as well. So it's a tough lineup. There have been some changes there with some personnel who aren't there anymore, um, like specifically Drew Holiday. But uh, this is going to be a tough assignment for the for the Jazz tonight. They are favored in this one by six. And we'll have pregame coverage starting at 6.50 here on The Fan and tip off at 7. We'll have full play-by-play coverage here on The Fan with this matchup. And then they face the Pelicans again on Thursday night. That's a later game. That'll be at 8 o'clock on, uh, if I'm not mistaken, that'll be on TNT. Uh, One last note to pass along. The uh, NCAA tournament, there's a slight change. We know that it's going to be pretty much all in Indiana and all around Indianapolis. But they did make one announcement today. Um, They'll have their selection Sunday on March 14th. And then the first four usually is just a few days later on a Tuesday, but they're actually going to push it back to March 18th. So the first four will play on March 18th. Then the first round is March 19th and 20th, and the second round will be the 21st and the 22nd. Uh, Sweet 16 will be the 27th and the 28th, with the Elite Eight on March 29th and 30th, with the Final Four April 3rd and the championship April 5th. So a slight change there with the scheduling and when these dates, uh, when these games happen, but where everybody's congregating into one big general geographic area, uh, I think they just want to make sure they have a little extra time for testing and protocols and uh, uh, you know, make sure everybody is in line for what they need to do. Uh, 9315 with a, a last quick text here. Wasn't that back when the Elite Eight was harder to get to? Um, good question. Yeah, I don't know. I, that would be an interesting discussion for maybe another day. 
Um, certainly the bracket wasn't as big back then, but it was harder to even get selected to go to participate. So uh, Liddell Anderson definitely was a great coach at Utah State. Didn't mean to take anything away from that. Um, and uh, he definitely has more wins in the in the tournament than Stu did. Uh, unfortunately, Yaggies under Stu Morrill only got that one victory. But a uh, lot of conference championships, a lot of success, a lot of top 25 uh, time, uh, time on the top 25 poll for his squad, and he was a great coach. Uh, that's going to do it for us tonight here in the Full Court Press. Utah Jazz pregame coming up at 6.50, tip off at 7. Tomorrow we'll break it down what happened with Utah State and Colorado State. You can watch that game on CBS Sports Network if you can't be there in person. And then our, our friends next door, Al Lewis and Jalen Moore, will start their pregame coverage starting at 6.00.